Hey, how's everybody doing? So my name's Alan, for those of you who may not know me. And uh, this morning we're starting a brand new series called Teach Us to Pray. And the Master's Guide to Effective Prayer. Where we're coming at with this, you know, prayer is something that is hard. It's work. The, the deeper I get into my relationship with Christ, the longer I go, the more I realize that it's work and that it's not always easy. And to have an effective prayer life can sometimes seem really elusive. How many of you guys wonder about your prayers? Do they just go into the ether? Does God pay attention? Is this making a difference? Why do I have to pray? Those kinds of things. Well, in Luke 11, verse 1, I want to show you where we get the title here. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Well, why did these disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray? You know what follows this, don't you? The Lord's Prayer. Possibly the most famous and well-known prayers in the Bible is what follows. Jesus is teaching them to pray. But why would they even ask that question? I can tell you this, it wasn't because they didn't know how to pray. They had learned how to pray from their parents and their synagogues, from their leaders. These guys had grown up steeped in prayer. But yet they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. I think it was because they saw something different in the way that Jesus preached. Or, I'm sorry, in the way that he prayed. I'm certain that they saw something different in the way he preached too. But our topic for now is about his prayer life. Because they ask it on the heels of hearing him pray. They say, teach us to pray. Jesus was the first one to call God Abba. Abba Father. Now we read that and we just sort of take it for granted, right? But that would have been a real shock if you're standing and listening to Jesus pray in that day and age. Nobody thought of themselves as having God as their dad. In fact, he caught a lot of flack over this. The rabbis weren't teaching this. See, Jesus managed to have a reverence for God and still talk to him like a, like a son talks to his father. That was one of the differences that I think that they saw in the way that Jesus prayed. His disciples heard him pray and they wanted to learn to pray like Jesus. Did you notice, are you familiar enough with the Gospels to pick up on the fact that they saw him do miracles and they never asked him to teach them to do miracles? They listened to all kinds of sermons, the greatest sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount. And afterwards they didn't say, gee, can you teach us to preach like this? Now unless I'm missing something, the only thing that I can find in the Gospels that they asked Jesus to teach them how to do was to pray. I don't know about you, but that gets my attention a little bit. Who taught you to pray? Somebody taught you to pray, right? I, I guess maybe some people praying, it seems to come kind of naturally, maybe instinctively, especially if they're in great trouble, right? All of a sudden people who don't talk to God at all. They find themselves in a dangerous situation and they'll pray. They'll talk to God. 
But for the most part, I think we learn how to pray from somebody else. The first prayer I learned, see if you know this one. Now I lay me down to sleep. Who can finish it? Did you all know my grandma? <laughs> yeah, my grandma taught me that one. And then later on, I started watching you know, how they prayed at dinner and at church. And I came to the conclusion that God was an Englishman that was hard of hearing. <laughs> oh, Father, thankest for thy these and thous, and it was all a King James. I was left with some ideas about prayer. How about you? You may have come up in a tradition or in a church where they, they handed you written prayers to recite or to read. A lot of churches do that. Or maybe you were just told just to talk to God. Tell Him how you feel. Tell Him what you want. The point is that praying is something that we learn how to do. We all learn to pray from someone, from somewhere. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we've learned to pray like Jesus, does it? So why we must learn to pray? You see, we still need to ask Jesus to teach us to pray, just like his disciples do. I believe. I believe we still, we all know how to pray at some level, but I think we need to have the humility to be like his disciples and still come to the Master for a guide on how to have an effective prayer life. And maybe some of you who are wondering, do my prayers count? Do they matter? Maybe you'll find an answer to that. If you want to be more effective, I think we need to do what the disciples did. Why must we learn to pray? Well, here's my first point. Because we're not naturally good at it. I don't think we're just naturally good at praying. I think it's something we have to learn. Jesus taught a lot about how to pray the wrong way. Did you notice that? He called out people for prideful prayer for praying with this feeling of superiority. I'm thank you, God, that you didn't make me like this guy. You recall him calling that guy out? You'll find it in Luke 18.10. He called out people for using prayer to show off. Have you seen that? You've, you've probably experienced someone who prayed so loud and so long, and it was obvious they wanted you to walk away thinking something of them. Jesus called that out as being wrong. He called out people for praying while refusing to forgive. In your prayer groups this morning after the Lord's Supper, how many of you were asking God to help you forgive somebody? In my group, there was that. Jesus said it's wrong to pray and ask for things when we refuse to forgive others. We can definitely pray with all the wrong motives. In each of those cases that I just gave you where Jesus said, yeah, that's the wrong way to pray, wrong motives were involved. But I think, or at least I'd like to think that for most of us, it's just that we don't know how to pray as we should. We just don't know it. Paul even talked about it in Romans 8.26. He said, for we do not know how to pray as we should. He's acknowledging it. Now, he also goes on to say that the Holy Spirit will help us with that. But I think we need to learn how to pray, because we don't just naturally do it good. I've got a video to show you to illustrate the point. My 
my prayer life is vibrant and it's active daily. I like to commune with God at nighttime. I get under those warm covers and I kiss my wife goodnight. And I just start talking to God. Just me and God. Tell him everything. <sighs> Makes me just sleepy just thinking about it. And there I am just laying in bed, laying out my request to him. And he's hearing me. And I know that I'm in good company with him. Where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the legs should be saying, God, help me. <laughs> Amen. There are times that me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault. That is mine. I just get so busy. And so when I do end up talking to God, I really just try to impress him, give him a show, just to show him how much I love him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, beseech me not unto thee. How now, brown cow? Oh, thy soul is so dry, and if I can just catch a morsel of who you are, so verily, merrily, down the stream. God, I, I just want to be used by you, God, I want... I want to be salt and light and light salt and sight and lulled and peppers and oregano and pepperoni and black olives and those little bit. When I like to get my prayer on, uh, there's some things I keep in mind. Um, I think it's totally awesome that uh, God is like Santa Claus and he wants to give you the things that you want. Therefore, you need to keep lists of things. My list currently has 745 prayer requests on them. So then when I go to the Lord in prayer, it looks a little something like this. I'll just pray real quick. Um, let's see. The uno thing on my list is my mom. And so I'll pray for her now. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up this sweet salt of the earth lady that you have blessed me with to be my mother. And I tell you thank you. And although I know that I'm called to respect her and I give her all due respect, there's also an issue of something she truly needs. And that is to stop a yapping. Lord, she yaps. And she doesn't know how to stop yapping. So could you please make her mute just for a day? Nothing permanent. Don't hurt her. I love her. Just mute her. Take your big God remote and push mute on her channel. That would be great. Henceforth, I would go on and pray all 746 things. <laughs> Uh, on the website, you, if you go to our website and you look for the notes under sermons, there's a hyperlink to this video if you want to see it. But you catch the drift, right? I don't know that we're naturally good at praying. That's my first point, why we should learn. Here's the second reason why I think we should learn to pray. Because prayer is how we access God's power. If you look at Mark 11... Verse 23 through 24, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, 
and it will be yours. He says, we can say to a mountain to be moved, and it'll happen. That's a lot of power, isn't it? If you go out and you, you read this in context and see what happened is Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem and he was hungry and he saw a fig tree in full bloom, which meant there should be fruit there. And when he goes to get some to eat, there's no fruit. The tree is a faker. And Jesus curses it. He goes into town and you know what he deals with? The fact that these people have got a really terrible way of dealing with prayer. That's where he says, my house shall be known as a house of prayer, and he gets into kind of a ruckus at the temple. The next morning, they're walking back out the same way they came in, and they come past the same fig tree, and it's withered from the roots. And the guys are impressed, and they're going, isn't that the one you just cursed? And that's where Jesus makes this, makes this, this statement. He says, in effect, he's saying, don't be that impressed with this. See that mountain? Jerusalem was on a mountain. You can say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea and it'll be done. He has some qualifiers in there. But the point I want to get across is we're not moving mountains by ourselves, folks. There are mountains all around us. Maybe it's the relationships in your neighborhood or at work that you just can't undo these things by yourself. Maybe there's problems in your family and you can't make it right by yourself. There's darkness in our world. And we aren't able to do some things, but we access power. I almost get the impression as Jesus is talking about this, it's like in the military where you have the forward guys come out, got their binoculars, and they see where the bombs need to go, and they call it in. They call in an airstrike. I think prayer, done the master's way, is supposed to call in the heavy artillery and get God unleashed in our world. In James 5, 16-17, most of you guys know this passage. James says there that the prayer of a righteous person has great power and is working. The NIV renders it, it's powerful and effective. You wonder if your, power, your, your prayers are powerful and effective. If you want powerful and effective prayers, it's possible. And not only is it possible, it's what God wants from you. He goes on to say in Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And guess what? For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Is that a powerful and effective prayer? Yeah. Then he prayed again, and guess what happens? The heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Prayer is how we access God's power. How many times do we forget to pray because we think we're supposed to do it on our own? Or we pray like it's all up to us. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. John says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, you might want to circle that. Ask anything according to His will, He, God, hears us. You're not just talking into the air. In fact, in Acts, there was a guy named Cornelius. And we're told there that his prayers had stood up, his prayers and his giving, his contribution, his, his alms, had stood up as a memorial before God. Think about this for a second. His prayers and his giving were a memorial before God. Memorials don't just vanish. 
That's the exact opposite of why they're there. Memorials are there to remind us to stand there as a monument to something. Cornelius' prayers were that way in heaven before God. It's what it says in Acts, you can check it out. The right kind of prayers, prayers that are done in accordance with His will, stand forever in front of God. And He doesn't forget them. They don't just disappear. And I've, I've got to come back to my text here. He says in verse 15, And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, then we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. So the key is being a righteous person and praying in accordance with God's will. I think that the Lord's Prayer is a guide to learning how to pray in accordance with God's will. I think that is what Jesus was teaching His disciples and quite probably what they were asking them to teach Him. And I think that He can still teach us that today. In Matthew 6, 8, See, the Lord's Prayer is recorded in two different places. It's in Matthew 6 and it's also in Luke. And in Luke, it starts off by saying, we just read it. They listen to him pray and then they ask them to teach him to pray. Right? But in Matthew, it starts off with Jesus teaching about prayer and how people did it wrong. And he makes this statement. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, if that's true, and I believe that it is, I mean, we have it on good authority, that's Jesus that just said that, then why do we need to ask Him at all? Why do we need to pray at all? If God already knows what you need before you ask, why does He want us to ask? This is my third reason for why we need to learn how to pray. It's because God is waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to ask. There are things that God wants to do, but He's not going to do them until we ask Him to do them. Take a look over at John 14, verse 12. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me will also do the works that I do. Jesus was doing some amazing works, and He's saying that the people who believe in Him will do the works that He's done. He says, and greater works than these will He do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in My name, there's that qualifier again. What does it mean to ask something in Jesus' name? Let's pause with the, with the Scripture here for just a second because I've got to ask this. I was just told, pray in Jesus' name. The way it was demonstrated to me, and I still do it to this day, is I close my prayers in Jesus' name, Amen. But to a little guy this high, what that equivocated, in my mind, how I understood it, was that's the postage stamp that sends my prayer to heaven. If I don't have a postage stamp on my letter, it goes nowhere. So I had to say, in Jesus' name, amen. But I didn't understand what amen meant. <laughs> and I didn't understand what in Jesus' name meant. Amen means let it be so. It's just affirming that, yeah, we really want this. But in Jesus' name... A little trickier. Uh, Bob, if I go out and I uh, do something in your name, I can't think of anything off my cuff here that would be wild enough to work, but I'm doing something in your name. Do you care what I do? Yeah. 
You do? So you don't want me burning down houses in your name. You don't want me stealing from people in your name. What would be the kind of things you would want me to do if I'm doing it in your name? Good things. Yeah, it'd be the kind of things that you would want to be done. Right? Think about this for a second. If the qualifying for having an effective prayer is to pray things in Jesus' name, doesn't that mean that we should pray the kind of prayers that Jesus himself would pray? But how many times do we pray for things that Jesus would never ask for? Get back to our text here real quick. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Do you catch the fact that God is wanting us to do things, and he's wanting us to pray and ask him for those things to be accomplished? God is waiting for us to ask. You see, prayer isn't just about setting me at peace or changing me. I mean, it is about those things, sure. But it's not just about those things. Prayer is about changing the world. Got into an argument, well, I wasn't arguing much with her, but I had a lady really unload on me one time back. You remember the Michael Brown thing in Ferguson? And I just innocently made a comment, well, we need to really pray about that situation. Woo-hoo, did I, I get a lecture. Because I found out what she thought about prayer. And she basically thought, well, that might make you feel good, but prayer doesn't do anything, and why are you just praying and all this? Well, wait a second. If I have a relationship with God who created all this thing, and I have access to his power, and I'm asking him to do things that he would want done, then prayer is powerful and effective. We just read, we just read how Elijah, guys just like, guy just like all of us, he prayed, Three and a half years, no rain. And it didn't rain again until he prayed. Prayer isn't just primarily about setting me at peace or changing me, though it does do those things. It is primarily about changing the world that we live in. Why is that the case? Because God has always chosen to work through people. He's always chosen to work through people. That's who he is. That's how he operates. That's how he made creation to work. He hasn't changed his mind about it. And if that's the case, then there are things that God wants to do and is willing to do, and he's waiting for us to ask because he wants to work through us. Prayer is incredibly important, isn't it? In Genesis 1, 26-28, It says, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Even from the beginning, the idea of being an image bearer of God was to reign over the earth and have dominion over the earth in his name because he wanted to work through man. That's what he created humanity for. That was the original vocation for humanity. It goes on in verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. God could have done all of that without mankind. He could have done all of that so much easier. But He created us because He wants to work through us. He hasn't changed His mind about us. 
He hasn't changed his mind about his role for humanity. That's a part of the gospel about God restoring this vocation. But yet the most powerful tool that we have available to us, we treat like a cheap dime store toy. Like a lucky rabbit's foot in some cases. Like an anesthetic or something like a, I don't know, something to calm you down. Some kind of a pill or something. I think we're missing the boat if we pray like that. In Matthew 18, this is the last thing I want to show you this morning. Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20. Jesus says, and again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, now I grant you, this might be miraculous to get two people to actually agree about anything, especially in a church. But if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I get nothing from any of these verses I've shown you this morning that prayer is just something we do to calm ourselves down or to, or to change how we think. I know that prayer does those things, but I get the incense, the, 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 I get the message from this that God wants to take action in our world and He's waiting for us to ask. Is that how you view prayer? Is that how you use it? He goes on, he says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. We've got more than two or three here today. Are we gathered in his name? Remember, in his name. If you came here today for your own personal agenda, that's not in his name. If you came here to get your back scratched, you know, get your whatever, that's not in his name. But if you came here for the same reason that Jesus came here, and I am convinced that there are a lot of you that are here for that very reason. Jesus is here just that much more. Did you catch how important it is that we do this together? To the beginning of this title, teach us to pray. Christianity is not a solo sport. Christianity, and then the power of prayer, I think is sometimes limited because we don't want to do it together. Now around here, we've, We've started praying together after the Lord's Supper. And I've heard stories and seen with my own eyes a powerful result from some of these prayers. I've seen people come to Christ because their first introduction to Him was to sit in one of these prayer circles after the Lord's Supper. And God opened their heart. There are many other stories that are there. If we want to learn how to have a powerful and effective prayer life. We need to learn it from Jesus and we need to learn it together and to do it. So what we're going to do, and I'm, I'm done with the lesson here this morning, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to take each one of these. Mike Dinius is going to step up to next week and he's going to talk to us about that first thing. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? How do we do that? How do we pray like that? And he's going to take on the next one, the next week, which is about your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, just like it is in heaven. And then after that, I'll try to do the last two and bring it to a close. I hope that you don't just come in expecting to go through a, a routine. And And by the way, oh, I know I'm on a... I'm going to get shot at. That's fine. Um, could you please come to church 
before the Lord's Supper during this, this prayer series and actually take the Lord's Supper with us and pray together with us. I stand up here every week and I watch and I wonder, why do we need this big dome? We got 25, 30 people here until after the Lord's Supper. It's as though some of you guys think the main event is the preaching. I'm living proof that's not the case. The most important thing you do here on a Sunday morning cannot be to listen to somebody talk. I would suggest that the most important thing that we can do together as Christians is to take serious this vocational responsibility that God has placed on us as His new humanity to pray and to ask for His resources to move the, the ball forward as He tries to invade this earth and bring light and push out darkness. Can I please just ask you, I know it's tough to get up on time. I know you've got a thousand other things to do. But this is really important, this time that we have. Could you just for the next four weeks give this a try? Could you come in and could you just submit, humble yourself and talk to God? Call in the airstrikes where they need to go. Purify your hearts and your hands and see what God does with it. Who knows, maybe the place will shake. That happened once in the book of Acts. Maybe that could happen again. Or maybe, just maybe, we might see a little bit more darkness pushed out of our neighborhoods, out of our schools, out of our homes, out of our lives. If you would, pray with me and we're done this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You for allowing us to talk to You. We... We don't get to talk to just anybody we want to. We don't get to talk to powerful people. And you've given us the privilege to come before you and to address you as children, address a father. Father, I pray that you'll change the way we think about prayer and help us to humble out and to learn how to pray like Jesus did for the reasons that Jesus prayed. And I pray that it'll be powerful and effective and that you'll be glorified in all that we say and we do here. Transform us, Father. Make us more like your Son. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.